welcome to everyone this morning, and especially if you're a guest with us today. We are so happy to have you in service with us. Pray that the presence of the Lord touches your life here today. Those that are joining us online this morning, we welcome you as a part of this service as well. Pray that God touches you wherever you may be today. John chapter 11. It's not often that uh, two Sunday mornings in a row I take my starting text from the same passage, but uh, I'm going to do that today. John chapter 11, I'm going to begin reading with verse number 11, and for the sake of time, a little bit of context of the first couple of verses. They sent word to Jesus that a man named Lazarus a family that the Bible says or Jesus loved had a had a connection with them beyond just the the norm. Their their brother Lazarus was sick and dying, and rather than Jesus immediately going to where Lazarus was, the Bible says he he delayed. He stayed where they were, and by the time he gets there, Lazarus has now been dead for four days. So verse number 11, These things said he, speaking of Jesus, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Lord, if he's, if he's taking a nap and he's not feeling well, he'll, he'll be okay. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death, <laughs> but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. And said Jesus unto them plainly, uh, Lazarus is dead. <laughs> First he said, Lazarus is sleeping. They didn't get it, so he says, okay, he's dead. <laughs> and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there to the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus unto his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Then when Jesus came, he found that he had lain in the grave for four days. Now Bethany was nigh unto Jerusalem, about 15 furlongs off. And many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but, Mar- but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus said unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. I want to preach to you this morning on this subject, the anchor, the anchor. Father, thank you for your sweet, wonderful presence that we have entered into here today. Lord, I don't want to treat that ever as something that's just common or the norm. I want to to always be appreciative of your presence, and so thank you for your presence that has responded to our worship. Thank you for your spirit that has already ministered 
Lord, I believe there's things we may not know them, we may not all see them, but there are things you've already done in this sanctuary. Your spirit has already accomplished, and I thank you for that. And I pray that you would continue to minister, and that now you would do that through your word, Lord. I pray, God, that you would let me be a messenger to deliver a message from you today. Not a sermon, but a message. I trust you. I depend upon you today, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I bless you. You may be seated. I, uh, if you're a guest today, I don't, there's, there's not a, uh, there's not a book of sermons that I use. There's not a, uh, there's not a resource that I have that gives me messages or outlines or I'm not given what to preach by someone. I try to get that from the source. And uh, the, the, this book is the source. And so that being said, I just, I just got asked just a couple of days ago. I was, uh, I was playing some pickleball at the Y and got in a conversation with a guy. And, you know, I'm not sure what it says when people ask you if you're retired. And uh, so, no, I'm not retired. I, I'm a pastor, and I've got a little bit of flexible schedule. And so, and uh, it's not the first time, but I, you know, man, what, what's it like? How much time does it take you to prepare a sermon? And I mean, what is, what is your? And I'm like, you know, that really varies. And uh, sometimes it happens on Sunday mornings because that's when I get my direction. <laughs> It's not that I'm trying to be lazy. I'm listening all week long. And so I, I, I was kind of struggling with direction for this morning. And this past, uh, a little over a week ago, if some of you that know this name have not heard this yet, um, Brother Franklin Howard uh, spent years as a missionary in Brazil, passed away about a week and a half ago. From COVID, he was uh, outside of my dad, probably one of the three or four um, older men that has impacted my life the most. And so, we we went to a we went to his memorial service in Texas, Cleveland, Texas, yesterday, and my wife and I. And uh, I was asked to uh, do the opening prayer and read the obituary and. Um, I have a big problem with prayers that people read. I, I, I seems to be a trend in conferences I go to now for pre-service prayer that people have their phone and they read their prayer. I, I have, I struggle with that. It's just me. So usually, if I'm going to pray, I, I don't think about it. I just pray. If I don't have enough of a connection. In a relationship with God, for prayer to just be an outflow, something's something's missing. But I I I did begin to think a little bit in advance about what I might pray, and I thought of and these the, these this this passage and and 
Martha's response to Jesus came to mind, and I referenced it as I was praying. There's, there's two people in Scripture, uh, there may be some others, but there's two people in Scripture that stand out in my mind that have kind of gotten a, a, a bad rap for what they said. Uh, and, and I've always really focused on one, but it hit me as I was praying yesterday morning. There's now a second one on my list. And it's interesting. Stay with me. We'll probably get amped up a little bit more here in a few minutes. So, But it, 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 it's interesting because the, the, the primary one from my perspective that that happens to is actually mentioned in this passage. It's the disciple by the name of Thomas. Anybody know what Thomas's nickname often is said to be? Doubting Thomas. And he's said to be doubting Thomas because of the words that he said when he encountered Jesus after Jesus' resurrection. Because the disciples and others had seen Jesus, and they tell, they tell Thomas that we've seen Jesus. And, and Thomas responds, and, and it's this statement basically that gets him labeled doubting Thomas. He responds, and he says, unless I see it for myself, unless I see the scars for myself, I, I, I'm not going to believe. And then Jesus, when he encounters Thomas, Jesus responds and he says, blessed are those that, that believe even though they don't see. And, and yes, you can read that, that statement by Jesus with a, with a tone that is a condescending, rebuking tone. But I think you can also read that statement with a completely different tone, that it wasn't a rebuke of Thomas, it was just a statement of the fact there are many who do not, who will not get the chance to do what Thomas did, And yet they believe. But he's called Doubting Thomas. And part of the reason I believe that that is not an accurate nickname is because of this passage. Because in this passage, when Jesus clarifies, and he says, actually Thomas, or actually I'm I'm not talking about Lazarus taking a nap. Lazarus is dead. (laughs) Thomas is the one who speaks up and says, let's go, and I'm willing to go there and to die with him. That doesn't sound to me like some horrible, doubting, unbelieving person. That actually, to me, is a person that's pretty committed to following Jesus. That even if us going to where Lazarus is means we're going to die, let's go. So I believe, I believe that Lazarus' response after Jesus' resurrection, that what he was, what he was saying was, I, I've, I've, I've been willing to kind of ride the roller coaster before. I've been willing to have the highs and the lows, but I, I just I don't know if I can do that again. So unless I see it for myself. 
And so the second one that to me is now on this list is actually Martha. And I will tell you, I will be perfectly transparent with you. I have preached these verses in the past and I have used Martha's words as something of a negative against her. In fact, in the past, there's been times I preached it that I've said I sort of felt like her response to Jesus when she first encountered Him was kind of one with her hand on her hip wagging her head. If you'd have just been here, we wouldn't be in these circumstances. But you know something? You can completely flip the tone. And rather than some kind of cynical condescending statement it could have been the the expression of a heart that believed and that she was simply saying you know what Lord I, I've, I've still got enough faith in spite of what's happened that if you would have been here I think it could have gone differently than this but then when he when, when she when the Lord says he will rise again This is what really hit me, and this was this is what just kind of got a hold of me as I was praying in the memorial service yesterday morning. He he says he'll he'll rise again. Now we know based on the uh, the rest of the story, he he was talking about in a few minutes. I mean, he's about to literally rise again. He's about to get out of the grave in just a few moments. And and. And, and she says, I know, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And again, I'm just being, being honest with you. I've, I, I, I've preached that before and kind of, you know, scolded Martha. She wasn't getting it. Jesus is, Jesus is trying to tell her what He's about. She wasn't getting it. But the thing that stood out to me yesterday was in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the fact her brother had just died and they were grieving and mourning his death, she responds with this confident statement of faith and says, I know. I know that he's going to rise again. I I know what we're going through. I know what we're in right now. But I also have a confident expectation. Because the anchor I'm here to preach to you about today is hope. That's the anchor. And in spite of the circumstances she was in, she had hope for the future. I gotta tell you, you, you gotta make sure, I know you've heard this and many of you know this, but you gotta, you gotta make sure you get this because if, if you were to ask me, define hope, I, I think my, my definition, my response to, to, to hope would be hope is wishful thinking. Wishful thinking. Because when we hope for something, naturally speaking, usually when we hope for something, there's as much doubt as there is hope. I, I, I hope. I hope this is going to happen. I hope that will happen. But, but I'm not necessarily confident it will. 
But this word hope in the original language, this word hope is not wishful thinking. This word hope in the, in the original language basically means a confident expectation. A confident expectation. I'm not just wishing for something to happen. I know Martha was saying, I got hope. And I know my brother's in the grave, but I know, yes, he will rise again. i got to tell you, if you don't have hope today, I don't know how you're surviving. If you don't live with the hope that I'm preaching about today, I don't know how, I don't mean this unkindly, so please don't take it that way, but I don't know how you're not on medication. Because we're living in a crazy world. And it's only getting crazier. And if you don't have an anchor, you need an anchor. And I've come to tell you today, there is an anchor. There is... What is going on in our world? What's happened? What's... What's all this craziness? There is a very simple place to go to to get an explanation for that. Just, just, just simply go to Romans chapter 1. It's about halfway through, verse, it's about halfway through chapter 1. Where you start to get the answer for how, how are we here? The reason we're here the reason we're here is because, Paul said, because they didn't want to retain God in their knowledge. They, they, they didn't want God running their lives. So, God decided, okay, you don't want me? I'll let you go. Go read. Just, just go read. Read in the, the New Living or in the Living Bible, read in the Message, read in one of those other translations about what the Scripture says will happen because they did not want to retain God in their knowledge. You want to know why we're dealing with all the, 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 the sexual stuff we're dealing with? You want to know why? You know, you want to know why we've got all this stuff going on? We're dealing with same-sex stuff and transgender. Just go read Romans 1. Because when we put God out of our knowledge, when we don't want God, He says, fine, I'm going to let you go to do whatever you want to do. And so I, I, I'm sorry, to t- my flesh is sorry to tell you today, if you're hoping for a world to go back to the way it was in the 60s and the 50s and whatever, you know, the good old you, if you're hoping for that, it's not happening. And so you need some hope. 
And I'm here to tell you today there is a source of hope. And that hope's not based on Washington, D.C. It's not based on Annapolis in the legislature. It's not based on any other group or organization of people. But it's based on the fact that I know a God who is in control. No matter what it looks like, no matter what happens, I have hope. Went and visited Brother Ron Richards a couple of days ago. He's had, I think, 11 strokes now. 10 or 11 strokes. He's had several falls. Recently fell the other day. They had taken him to the hospital. He and I got to talking. I said it to him, and he concurred. I don't know how you live without Jesus. I don't know how you live without faith in God. If you used to, I would have said, if you don't have faith in God and trust in God, I don't know how you ever leave your house. That's what I would have used to. That's what I. That's what I would have said three weeks ago. I don't know how you. And of course, nowadays you don't have to leave your house. You can ever you can get Uber this and Uber that and. All this stuff. They got things now on Amazon. You can you can purchase things on Amazon that'll get to your house in a few hours. You know, COVID hit. Well, I'm just going to stay home. Not going to interact with people. Not going to. I I used to think that, and two Saturday nights ago, a tree fell on our house. So now staying at home is not even safe. And our, tr- our yard is surrounded by trees that are all just as tall as my, my wife said it after the tree fell. The very thing that drew us, or one of the things, not the thing, one of the things that we love so much about the neighborhood has now become a source of anxiety and worry. How do you live? How do you get in your car and drive out on that highway? Well, I'm a good driver. You probably are. But you're not on the road by yourself. And it doesn't matter how great of a driver you are. If the other person out there is not a great driver, you could be in trouble. I I mean it. I don't understand how you live without believing that there is a God and that He is in control and that whatever happens or doesn't happen in my life is all a part of His plan and His purpose. Hebrews says it this way, Hebrews 6 and 18, that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil. Message Bible says it this way, God can't break His Word. God can't break His Word. If I, I got, these are my, these are my two sons, I got two daughters as well. 
They don't love me as much as they used to. They've forsaken me, moved on. If I, if I tell, if I tell one of, if I tell my sons, hey, we, I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get you this. I'm going to give you this. Hey, we're, we're going to, I'm going to take you guys such and such a place. If I, if I don't keep my word, am I no longer their dad? I'm not talking about what kind of dad. Does the fact that I promise them something and don't do it disqualify me as their dad? I'm still their dad. Like it or not, for better or worse. If you promise your spouse you're going to do something and you fail to do it, you might be miserable, but that doesn't now disqualify you as... You see, as human beings, I'm not promoting this. Sometimes it happens because it's beyond our control. But as human beings, if we don't keep our word, we're still human beings. In fact, that's part of what makes us human beings. We make promises and we don't keep them. Again, sometimes through no fault of our own. But you understand, God can't break His word. Kind of like I said earlier in a different context, but I'll say it again. I mean, God can't. Not God won't. He can't. Because you and I can break our word and we're still who or what we were. But if God breaks His word, He no longer can be God. And He is God. And He will be God. So God can't break His Word, and because His Word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We, we, I haven't, unfortunately for some of you, I haven't really preached much in the last several weeks, so I feel like I need to get it all in today. So, sorry. The Bible says, Hebrews says, the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We do, I don't care how great your knowledge is and understanding of the Word of God. And I don't mean the Bible per se, I mean the spoken Word. Our finite minds have no ability to fully contain the awesomeness of God's Word. So it says the worlds were framed by the Word of God. This, this, the other day... Uh, you know we're 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 getting broken into this empty nest thing. We're not there, but we're and and um, you know I, probably when it's full empty nest, you know it'll be we'll, it'll be a little bit challenging. But there's a few things so far about this kind of empty nest stuff that I don't I don't mind too much. I mean I'm going on I'm going on 26 years of having to share. So we find ourselves, just the two of us, a little more frequent these days than now. For some of you, that might not be a good thing, but I'm okay with that. And Tuesday evening happened to be one of those 
times, and so everybody was that's still at home was gone their ways, and so we got a little impromptu date night and went and got a bite to eat across the Bay Bridge, and and uh, we we were coming back, and and uh, it was it was about seven o'clock, a little bit after, and we had. Uh, made a stop at the Target over there, and and I uh, thought, you know what, there, sunset is coming up. And uh, there's a park. I don't know the name of it. I'm Raptors. Y'all may know the name of it. Somebody else here might know. But there is a park on Kent Island that's that's on the bay. That's got an amazing view across the bay and Annapolis area. Man, if you want to catch a great sunset. It's an amazing spot. So we went and we sat in the car and watched the sunset. And uh, we, 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 we left. And as we, we came up and started to get on 50 and come up to the bridge, the sky was still absolutely amazing. I would have loved to some way have been able to stop. My wife tried to take some pictures as I was driving. I would have tried to take pictures as I was driving, but... Wasn't a went very well with her. So. <laughs> but this this thought occurred. Do you realize, we, you and I, I, I know this might not be, this may be too simple for some of you. This is just the way my mind works. You and I, if if we're going to go see a sunset, that is a that is a that's sort of a, a a defined thing. Right? You go see the sunset, it sets, it goes down, we're done, we move on. But as I'm driving across the bridge, I had this thought, the sun is constantly setting based on perspective. So when I saw that amazing, beautiful sunset, it, it dawned on me, wait a minute. It stopped setting here, but the next, the next place. Do you, do you realize that God is not sitting up in heaven 24 hours a day, seven days a week, creating sunsets? No. Because a couple of thousand years ago, He spoke a word. And in that word was every sunset for all of time. I wish I had a little bit of help this morning. Wrapped up in that word. Genesis said, God said, let there be light. And there was light. Brother Mott, how fast does light travel? 286,000 miles per second. You realize when God said, let there be light, He did not also have to program into light the speed at which? Wrapped up in let... Wrapped up in one word, let there be light, was all of the properties of light. All in one word. 
When he put the stars and the planets and the moon in place, he did not have to spell everything out for how they revolved and all of that. He just spoke a word, and in that word, if God can do that with light, if God can do that with creation, tell me what it is in your life that can't be done by a word of God. And because His Word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for our very lives to God have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. It's an unbreakable spiritual lifeline reaching past all appearances right to the very presence of God. Amplified Bible says, verse 19, this way. Now we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. It cannot slip and it cannot break down under whoever steps up upon it. A hope that reaches farther and enters in to the very certainty of the presence within the veil. Reaches farther and enters into the very certainty of the presence within the veil. We may be living in a changing world, but we've got an unchanging God. We may be living in a world that is unstable, but we have a solid rock that we are standing upon today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground, all other ground is sinking sand. 20, 30 years ago, we'd have thought America was solid ground. Not anymore. But that's okay because my hope is not built on this country. My hope is not in this nation. It's not in the the politics or the politicians of this nation. My hope is built on nothing less than the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Paul says this in Romans chapter 5 verse number 1. Therefore be justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace. Wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. These next couple of verses are a cycle. They are a cycle that you will live in if you walk with God. Tribulation, but we, but by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Anybody glorying in your tribulations today? That word tribulation basically means pressure, problems, difficulties. No, most of us, and I said us, I didn't say you, I said us, most of us are griping and complaining in our tribulations. Our plane landed at about 10.10 last night, 10.15. We got to baggage in about 5 or 10 minutes after that. Can you believe we had to wait there for almost 45 to 50 minutes to get our luggage 
How ridiculous is that? The fact that the belt was not already moving and the luggage coming out when I got there was unacceptable. That's what we do. We don't glory in the difficulties and the challenges. We gripe and we complain. But Paul says if you got the right perspective, then you will glory in those things, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. And patience experience. And experience produces hope. And hope maketh not a shame, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The Living Bible says it this way, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials. Paul was, Paul was on something. We can, we can rejoice when we run into problems and trials? Yes, because we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. That word patient there is not just simply sitting and waiting patiently. That word means endurance. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well for we know how dearly God loves us and we Feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with His love. Oh. We're never, it says, and, 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 and King James says that hope maketh not ashamed. Another way of saying that is hope never disappoints. Again, I'm not talking about wishful thinking. Not talking about wishful thinking. Not talking about hoping for, you know, hoping for your team to win, hoping that it doesn't rain this what whatever. Talking about a confident expectation that comes from the word of God. Whether it's the written word or it's a Rhema, a living word that God has given you. We were we we uh Got to the airport on Thursday, and there was a there was a, a group of guys that were all dressed in uh, in uh, sweatpants, sweatshirts that that had a logo on them, and and uh, there's about I don't know fifteen of them or so, and and uh, I just I I I assumed because actually I had seen another group of college kids heading out when we were heading to our gate. And so I guess just kind of that being my frame of reference, I was just assuming these are some college guys. So I uh, I kept trying to get a closer look and of the, the logo on their chest. It just said Pirates. And so I was just assuming it was some kind of college somewhere with a Pirates as their, uh, their mascot. So we uh, we got on the the plane and we were flying southwest. If you've never flown southwest, there's it doesn't have a signed seat. You pick an available seat. 
So we got towards the back, and that's where they were all, most of them were all sitting. And we sat down, and my wife was on the aisle, and I was in the middle. And um, I always get the middle seat. Because that's where I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm her buffer. So she sat on the aisle, and, and there was the other three seats were guys on this team or whatever. She got to, I think, I think she first said something. We heard it first, and then after she said something, a little bit later, the, uh, the pilot came on and said, we'd like to welcome the, uh, he mispronounced it, but the Worcester Pirates, a professional football team, American football. An arena football team, and I, you know, I, I got, I got a little bit, of, got a little curious. So I started looking a little bit on the, found the website, and, and then I looked up. How much do, how much do the uh, Worcester Pirates make? I mean, we know athletes are all rolling in money, right? Looked it up. This guy is making $33,000 a year. And then I, I overheard somebody talking to one of the players. And they asked the question. They said, are you, are you playing arena football because you hope, you hope, to play in the NFL, that, that this is a way of somebody getting your attention so that maybe you'll get to play. And you know what the response was? Of course. There's no kid that grows up dreaming of playing arena football. Because <laughs> the epitome, the height, the end, now they got the USFL and they got all this – but you know why guys, really a big reason guys do that? Yeah, some of them just think the love of the game maybe. But that's, that's, that's hopefully the ticket. And you know what? The high percentage will never, never get there. I stood there at the baggage claim and I was just kind of watching them. Brother David, I'm assuming it doesn't work this way in the NFL. They were all getting the gear and all the luggage off the belts themselves. I'm pretty sure most NFL teams don't fly southwest. (laughs) Hoping, hoping, hoping. I'm not here today to preach to you about hope that's like that kind of hope. I'm talking about a hope that is a confident expectation That says God has an ordained plan and purpose for my life. And it does not matter what the obstacles are. It doesn't matter what I've been through, what I'm going through, or what I may go through. God's plan and purpose is much bigger than all of that. And so I have a confident expectation that everything is going to work out for my good. And I got, I got, I got so many more verses, and I, I may not get there. I will. We'll have to do part two. 
have to do it in a couple of weeks. I'm next Sunday morning. Anybody ever seen that little church on Joyce Lane right up here, Goshen Parish? Anybody ever seen that? I'm preaching there next Sunday morning. So, um, and uh, Bishop is going to be preaching here next Sunday morning. So, uh, my dad, the founding pastor of this church, is going to be preaching here next Sunday morning. So, I'll have to do part two in a couple of weeks if I can't finish. But I was, I was talking to. Pastor Kevin Howard yesterday, the son of Brother Franklin Howard that passed away. And after the repast, we were chatting for a few minutes. He and I go way back. We went to Brazil together for several months and so known each other since we were teenagers. And he was just sharing with me a few things about their church and things that are happening. He was telling me some of the things that are going on. He said, We got we have a uh, we have a celebrate recovery. They're trying to kind of get small group ministry going and so we got a few things that are kind of, you know, like that right now. But he said, we, got, we have Celebrate Recovery. But he said, the, the lady that leads Celebrate Recovery, he said, just a few years ago, she was homeless on the street. They had taken her kids away from her, battling addiction. But she now leads. They celebrate recovery. She's got her kids back. She remarried. Life. That, that's, that's what hope is. I don't, I don't know, I don't know necessarily that a few years ago she had the conscious awareness and an expectation to get to where she is now, but whatever she did back then to submit to what God had for her caused there to be a seed or a word that was put in her life. And as that seed, that word worked, it has now brought her to the place that she is. I'm here to tell some people today that same God that same word that same seed can be put into your life today and you can have the confidence that my future doesn't have to be one that I dread but it can be one that I have expectation for because I have a hope I've got hope the old song we used to sing says I've got hope when trouble comes my way, I got hope. The reason I have hope is because Jesus leads the way. I have hope. I have hope. I've got a certainty today. I, I, I don't have to worry about what happens in the economy. I have hope that I have a provider. I don't have to worry about if the interest rates go up, if the stock markets crash. I have hope today. I have hope in a God that when I read this book, I see all kinds of ways in which He miraculously provided. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
I, I got I just gotta read them to you. I, I'll, I'll just, I'll do my best to read and not comment, but I just gotta, I gotta read a few of them to you. Psalms 42 and verse number five, the Amplified says it this way. Why are you cast down, O my inner self? And why should you moan over me and be, and be disquieted within me? Hope in God and wait expectantly for Him, for I shall yet praise Him, my my help and my God. The message Bible says, why are you down in the dumps, dear soul? I know if you talk to yourself, you can be considered a little bit of crazy, but you need sometimes you need to talk to yourself. Why are you crying the blues? Fix my eyes on God. Soon I'll be praising again. He puts a smile on my face. He's my God. I, I know it seems like this night is lasting a long time. I know it feels like this trial is going on forever. But not too long from now, I'm going to have a dance again. I'm going to have a praise again. I have a hope that this is not the way it's all always going to be. Hallelujah. Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Why? Because in the time of trouble He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. I will Sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou said, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me. Some of you have been through that naturally. When my father and my my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. Teach me thy way, O Lord, and lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not not over into the will of mine enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted. I almost gave up. I almost quit. 
But I believe to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and He shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Some of you just need to make up your mind. I may not know to where to go forward. I may not know what to do to go ahead. But if nothing else, I'm just going to wait on the Lord because He's going to show up. Psalm 58, 56, excuse me, verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting, he fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me. O thou most high, what time I am afraid. What time I am afraid. I will trust in thee, in God, I will praise His Word. That's kind of an interesting statement. He didn't say, I will praise God. He said, I will praise His Word. <laughs> you know what that... I think that kind of looks like this. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word that's forever settled. Thank you, Lord, that heaven and earth are going to pass away, but your word remains forever. Thank you for your word that is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thank you for your word that when I'm battling fear and anxiety and depression, I've got your word, Lord, that can bring peace to my mind. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. The Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous come into it and they are saved. Psalm 71 verse 12. Oh God, be not far from me. Oh my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and yet will praise thee more and more. I will hope continually. Continually, I will hope continually. I'm going to make up my mind that when things are not going the way I hope they're going to go, when things are not looking good, I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep believing. I'm getting there, I'm getting there, but I'm in it now, so we're going to finish. Jeremiah 17, verse 5, Thus saith the Lord God, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man. Add that to Romans chapter 1, how we got here. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh, maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert, and shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness, in a salt land, and not inhabited. Blessed, cursed is the man that doesn't trust, but blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord Lord is not just in whom the in whom the Lord is their hope but the Lord is the hope I, I'm not just hoping in the Lord the Lord is my hope for he shall be as a tree 
planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. That tree that's planted by the water, it doesn't matter if it rains or not. It's connected to a source. It's got a source that's going to provide what it needs. You know what happens when I get the Holy Ghost? I get the source. For out of your innermost being shall flow rivers. Lamentations chapter 3. If you're, if you're kind of... If you're kind of looking for something to get you down, go read the first part of this chapter. It'll get you really depressed, but I'm going to pick up at the good part. Verse 17, And thou hast removed my soul far off from peace. I forgot prosperity. I said my strength and my hope is perished from the Lord. He said, brother, I thought you said this is a good part. This is, this is the ending of the bad part. Remembering mine affliction and my misery, the wormwood and the gall, my soul hath them still in remembrance and is humbled in me. I, what he's saying is I remember what I've been through. I know where you bought me from. This I recall to mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions, they fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning in thee. All I have needed, thy hands have provided. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. You know why it's important sometimes to quietly wait? Not just wait, but quietly wait. Because sometimes when you're waiting and you're not quiet, you say things you shouldn't say. Sometimes when you're in despair and waiting, you make accusations that you you shouldn't make. You question God in ways you you shouldn't question God. So sometimes you just need to make up your mind. I'm going to wait and I'm going to be silent because they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They're going to mount up with wings as eagles. They're going to run and not be weary. They're going to walk and not faint. So Lord, sometimes I need you just to teach me how to wait and be quiet. I don't know why. It seems to me like every restaurant, every place you go, there's always somebody. Maybe some of you are this person. Hopefully not. But there's always somebody at the next table or the row behind you or somewhere around you that is talking so loud you don't have to try to eavesdrop. You can't help but hear. We sat down yesterday and we got to the airport way earlier than we needed but didn't really have anything else to do. So we... We were in the spot. Them seats are back to back. And she was right behind me. That lady. Would you please be quiet? Whisper. I don't want to know all your cruise ship details. 
I don't want to know all the future cruises you're going on. Part I don't, partly I don't want to know them because I'm not going on any. So now I'm envious of all the ones you're going on. Well, we went here in Italy and we went there in France and we went. Be quiet. Sometimes. problem is, nowadays, the voices we have to shush are not just actual sound. In fact, some of you, the voices you need to shush the most is your social media. It's the news. Don't you think you ought to know what's going on in the world? Why? You can't fix it. You're not going to change it. I was, I was recently in a, a situation. Some folks were talking about the future and, and more than likely what's coming. Oh, God. I'm ready to go move to the mountains. Run from all this. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what tomorrow holds. They told us, and they told us. Oh my God, I gotta hurry. I'm gonna, I, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna use some of my time for the future. Maybe, it may be some, of, it may be some of my time from 2050, but I'm gonna use it from the future. <laughs> I said that, and I forgot what I was about to say. What was I about to say? Anybody know? Yes, thank you. I remember they told us, you know, they, they told us back in March of 2020 that, you know, all this stuff's going to be happening. I remember, I remember telling my wife, you know what, I, we were trying to talk, what are we going to do for Easter? I'm like, don't worry about Easter. We'll, everything will be fine by Easter. Well, everything will be back to normal. It's 2023 and nothing's still back to normal. Just a different kind of crazy. What good does it do you? Okay, okay, some, some of you precious people are into all the conspiracies. If, I got a question, if they really are true, what is that helping? How is that helping you? Or the government doing that. Okay, so what are you going to do about it? Nothing. Just sit and get more discouraged and depressed and worried. You know what you need to spend your time doing? Reading about the children of Israel. Go read the Old Testament and read about all the different nations that, were, that the children of Israel were in bondage to. You want to talk about some conspiracy theories? Go read the book of Esther. There was a conspiracy theory, all right, but it was real. There was a plot to get rid of the Jews, which represent the children of God in this world today. But God had a bigger plan. So you know what? I don't care what all the conspiracies are. I have hope that God has a bigger plan and at the end of the day if that plan is simply just to finally take us all out of here so be it
Nathaniel, come play, give them hope. I love this verse. I've preached this verse several times through the years, but I love this verse. Zechariah chapter 9, verse number 12. Turn you to the stronghold, you prisoners of hope. Even today do I declare that I will render double unto thee. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to be a prisoner of something, I don't want to be a prisoner of depression. I don't want to be a prisoner of anxiety. I don't want to be a prisoner of fear. I don't want to be a prisoner of shame. I don't want to be a prisoner of guilt. I don't want to be a prisoner of addiction. Sign me up. Sign me up. I volunteer to be incarcerated in the prison of hope. Because whatever you are a prisoner of affects the way you think. Whatever you're a prisoner of affects the way you feel. It affects your perspective. So if you're going to be a prisoner of something, Why not just decide, I'm going to be a prisoner of hope. I'm going to be, give me a life sentence as a prisoner of hope. So that when I get the bad news, it's not fear, it's not doubt, it's not worry. It starts working on my mind. It's hope. I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know why you're allowing this. You may not ever explain to me why you're allowing this. But here's what I do know. All things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are called according to His purpose. I I don't understand what the outcome's going to be. I I don't understand how it's all going to work out for good. But I'm going to be a prisoner of a confident expectation. Confident expectation. I I, I don't want to put you on the spot in front of all these people. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm just telling you, if you would make up your mind, I mean really. I don't mean like, I, I, I don't know how to swim. I don't like my, the only water I like my head under is the shower. Otherwise, I'm not a fish. I actually, if I'm in a pool, I can swim across. I can, but, but the head ain't going under. And I've figured out about 20, 30 years ago, that's probably never. If I haven't gotten up the courage to do it now. And I know some, well, I, the way I learn is I just got thrown in. You throw me in, there's a good chance I'm going to learn how to swim. All I know is this. When I get out, you better not be anywhere nearby. Because I may have learned how to swim, but there's still going to be a murder takes place. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm partly because of that, 
anytime I've ever gotten in the water, swimming pool or whatever, I'm one of those ankles. <clears throat> All right. Knees. Hips. Everybody else is just like, used to it. It's probably the smart way to go. I say all that because you know what? You've done a lot. You, you dabbled your foot in there. I'm, I'm talking to him, but there's a few others of you that ought to be listening. Put your shovel away and just get the funnel out. Pour it in, Jesus. I watched you. I watched you for years now. You'll come and you'll, you'll put that toe in the water and it'll, yeah. But I'm telling you what, if you would make up your mind to go all in with this, no matter what, no matter how difficult that is, no matter what it looks like, in a couple of years from now, at the most, you're going to think back to where you were and go, I don't know. I don't know how I got here. I don't know. If you'd let that hope become what you're a prisoner of, not the fear, not the mistakes of your past, not the circumstance, if you'd become a prisoner of hope, he's not the only one in this place right now. Some of you need to decide, you know what, I'm going, where's the deep end? It's the whole thing of, you know, people, atheists and whatever else. How, there's, there's no God. There's no. Okay, okay. So, so who's got the most to lose, number one? If I find out at the end there was no God, oh well. I'm blessed with an amazing wife, got wonderful kids, first grandbabies on the way. Woohoo! First of many. Man. Man, God has blessed our family with two amazing sons-in-law. I got great people in my life. If I get to the end and I find out, there's nothing else. First of all, I won't even know there wasn't anything else. So therefore, I can't regret what wasn't. But if you choose to believe there is no God, and you do get to the end, and you find out you were wrong, got a little bit of a problem. So I would call it a delusion if you want to call it that. I don't care what you want to call me. But living with the faith and the hope and the belief that there is a God is a much better life than living with skepticism and doubt and unbelief. I want you to stand. There's an anchor. There's an anchor. There's an anchor. There's an anchor that no matter how hard the wind blows, no matter how great the waves get, no matter how much the storm rages, that yeah, you're going to get, you ever seen a boat that was anchored down in a storm? 
yeah, it, 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 it's not unaffected. It gets tossed around, rocks to and fro, but it stays right where it is because of that anchor. Let the winds blow, let the waves go crazy in this world. There is an anchor for your soul today. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. There, I, I, I believe that, that, that this message this morning is applicable to anybody and everybody here today. Not, not just for a guest this morning. Not just for a new person because there's some people here today that, that your hope has been a little bit shaken. Your, your hope has been weakened a little bit by some of the things you've been through. And so I believe that the Spirit of the Lord would like to renew some hope in this place today. So I want you, if you would, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you don't have hope today and you need hope, I'm going to invite you to step out of your seat right now and make your way down to the front front of this sanctuary and present yourself to the Lord this morning and I believe God's going to give some people some hope today if you've had hope in the past but you're willing to acknowledge pastor my hope's been wavering a little bit my my hope's been shaken a little bit by some things but I want a renewed hope I want a renewed hope I want to invite you right now to step out of your seat and make your way down to this altar right now I believe that the Spirit of the Lord wants to move on you right now, wants to reinforce that hope, wants to give you hope if you don't have hope. Doesn't matter what your circumstances are today. Doesn't matter how bad they may look. I'm here to tell you today, there is a God who is able to turn it around. I don't care how bad it's gotten. I don't care how bleak your future looks. I'm here today to tell you there's a God. There's a God that's able to give you a future. There's a God that can put within you today a confident expectation. In the name of Jesus. Come on, church, be sensitive to the Holy Ghost all over this sanctuary. Not only those that have come to this altar, but if there's somebody around you that you recognize the Lord ministering to, would you be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now? God, I pray not for some kind of fantasy, not for wishful thinking today. Not for some kind of just imagination that I've come up with, but an expectation, God. An expectation that's based on your word, that's based on your spirit. Lord, hope that comes from you is not going to disappoint. God, hope that comes from you is not going to let me down. God, hope that comes from you it's not going to disappoint. God, I pray for every individual in this place today that's battling fear and doubt and worry, anxiety. Those that are a prisoner of depression today. 
those that are a prisoner of fear today, those that are a prisoner of anxiety today, let them become a prisoner of hope today. Let them become a prisoner of hope, a confident, a confident expectation. No matter how dark the night may be, no matter how deep the valley I'm in may be, no matter how long the trial I'm going through may last, I've got confidence you're going to bring me through. Lord, just as the psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley, I may go through the valley of the shadow of death, but I'm going through it. I'm not going to get stuck in it. It's not going to be where I end up living. I'm just passing through it. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let hope rise in this place today. Let hope rise in every heart in this place today. Let hope be renewed today. God, I pray for those that have been through the the disappointments and the letdowns and the failures that have come against their hope. I pray, God, that you would renew hope in this place today. I pray, God, that you would renew hope today. In the name of Jesus, confidence, confidence, God, not not wishful thinking. Not wishful thinking, God. Certainty. A certainty, God, that you're in control. A certainty, God, that no matter what the enemy has damaged, no matter what the enemy has stolen from me, that you can restore. Whatever I may have lost, you can restore. Hope. Oh God, give us that anchor today. Give us that anchor today, God. Let that hope be the anchor of our soul. Let that hope be what stabilizes us. Let that hope be what grounds us, Lord. No matter what turmoil we may go through in the world, no matter what turmoil we may be going through in our individual lives, let us be anchored today. Let us be anchored today. 